No, we're supposed to pray, do you? See, how do we have fellowship with Christ? And that's what happens. Sometimes we get so busy that we forget to stop and love the Lord. And that is a problem that's infected my life many a time. And I find myself, you know, we call it, we use the term backsliding. Backsliding, we're always using that term as you're doing something evil. We're going to drinking again. We're going to pick up some sin that we discarded in our lives. But backsliding isn't necessarily that. Backsliding is just standing still. You're just standing in the same spot like this. But God keeps moving. And we stand there. And next thing you know, God just gets a little further apart, a little further apart, a little further apart, a little further. Next thing you know, we're wondering what happened to God. Why, why is my joy gone? Why is my peace gone? What happened? But we're so busy coming to church. We're still laboring. And we saw that as a church. They labor and they labor. They work, they work, they work, they work. They have patience. And we saw in, in, where they, in verse 2 that they didn't stand the evil. They judged sin. They wouldn't let sin in their midst. You know, you, know, you let some gross person, we want them in the church, but you don't want them living in the church. We don't want the wolves that are in the sheep clothing. See, we want them to come get saved, grow in the Spirit, grow in the grace and the knowledge. So sometimes you have to try the Spirit. The Bible tells us to try them. Try the spirits, whether they be a God. How do you try a spirit? By the book. What are they saying? Jesus said, by their words they'll be justified. You'll, you'll know them. See, because inwardly they come as sheep clothing. I've, I've met people, that, and we've heard some preachers, and probably someone in your life with their ages, you've seen people that are very good. They know this Bible inside and out. They're very good. But guess what? Devil quoted scripture too. <laughs> he ain't quoted scripture to God. But that don't mean they know the Lord. When you hear them talk, you hear out of their heart the covetousness, the things that come along. So this church was trying them. And in verse 3, they're born and has patience. And I'm just recapping on Ephesus. And in verse 3, and for my name's sake has labored. Wow. You know, a lot of people do a lot of things in Jesus' name. A lot of things. There's work all over this world, and quote Mother Teresa, all in Jesus' name. Well, maybe Mary's too. But see, we do so much stuff in Jesus' name, but are we doing it in his name? For my name's sake has labored. See, why are we doing what we do? But after this, Jesus tells him in verse 5, remember, and that's a theme we see over and over through the scripture. Remember, remember. What was the command in Exodus for every Israeli, teach your children, remember, remember. Remember Joshua crossed the river. They put up 12 stones. Why? As a memorial to remember, 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 remember. That term is over, over used in the scripture. But why? Why is that? Because <laughs> we forget. But anyway, we're going to pick it up now in verse 5. We're going to see about Smyrna. Smyrna was a, was a, I don't know, it's an interesting city in a city. And again, like all these cities of these churches, they worshipped everything but Jesus. Number one God, Apollos, Zeus. And all of this is just taken over from the Old Testament, from Baal, rather to trace the history of the gods. But they built their towers. They had their, on the top of the hills, um, Zeus, Sibyl, we'll see, Apollo, Aphrodite. Again, Aphrodite. Aphrodite had many names. But we, we know her by this name, Easter. And that is why I despise that word. I almost cringe when, hey, happy Easter. Ah, oh, no, no. You're taking the devil's holiday and the devil's day and ascribing it to the Lord's resurrection. I'm sorry, it's Passover day, resurrection Sunday, whatever. But the one thing you do not call that day is Easter. That's the world's term for it. That's not God's term. And we see that God hates these. That's why the Nicolaitans, he 
hates these things. Because why? Even with that, we take the glory from the resurrection. When we ascribe that day to Ishtar, to a goddess of sex and fertility, and we say happy Easter, we're saying happy Easter, go have some sex? Really? See, sometimes it's the words. We don't understand the meanings, but that's exactly what it's implying. This, this, these gods were evil. And that's what's happened. Anyway, as usual, they had a large group of Jews living there, and they always stirred up controversy and, and, and turmoil. But as we're going to go on, as we're going to start seeing this verse, the first thing he tells us in verse 8, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, Well, you know, that's one thing I was like, back up. Remember Jesus said he has the seven angels, the seven churches, seven stars, and seven angels in his hand? And many a time, because the word angel just means angelos, which means a messenger. That's it. It just means a messenger. Whether Western Union or, you know, big holy angel with wings. That's a messenger. So at times it's implied different. And as I keep reading as they try to, as I'm reading other things, they, they try to say, see, you know, little an angel in charge of the church. Well, wouldn't that take glory from Jesus? Didn't Jesus die for the church? Didn't Jesus come for the Isn't the church his bride? So why is he going to put an angel in charge over the church? It's not. Because when, as you read real carefully, as I told you, every word is important. Under the angel of the church of Smyrna, right? Jesus is writing to an angel? Really? Just on the surface of that, it sounds stupid. Because it's the pastor. It's the leader of the church at the time. And that's why back, back in, uh, if we back up on verse 5, we'll see at the end of the judgment for the church of Ephesus, it ends with, I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. See, purpular. Let you know that this is this is the leader of the church. So at this point, when we get into Smyrna, we're going to see that this church, boy, they're having a hard time. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the Christian life is. But let's read it. Do you end the church of Smyrna right? These things say it the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. You know Jesus knows what we're going through because he was dead and alive. But I want to take that phrase because this whole theme was to be the Old Testament via Revelation. Revelation via the Old Testament. And this is one of the first verses that we can sort of jump into. So grab your Bible. We're going to start flipping some pages. But go back to Isaiah. If you see in our, our uh, notes here, we're going to start about who is he? Who is Jesus? Boy, there's so many names for Jesus. So many names. Oh, we could just sit here and preach all day long. But he gives us this name. He tells us who he is. He says, under the interest man of these things, right? Say it the first and the last. What we find a lot of these phrases is Jesus pointing back to the Old Testament. Because a lot of times when you take these in the context of where they're quoted and you start seeing, that's exactly what he's trying to tell them. Jesus is trying to tell them, I'm God. I am God. Okay, in Isaiah 41. In verse 4, who have wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? See, God's saying, I tell everyone who's before they're born. I, the Lord, Yahweh, the first. And you see something real small there? How careful a word is? And with the last. We're talking two people here now. See, I said, I am does rotten for, for I am I the Lord the first and with the last I am He. Very small statement, very very small statement. But let's go to Isaiah forty four six. Continue this. Flip over a couple pages. 
And we're going to see there, Isaiah 44, 6, Thus saith the Lord, Thus saith the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel. Any questions with that? He is the King of Israel. But watch. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer. There again, we have two people. And this time it's called the Lord of Hosts. The Lord of the armies, the captain of the armies. Every single time, and I have not found an exception to this, that you read Lord of Hosts, it is an epiphany of Jesus. It's an epiphany. Every time he shows up on the pages. Remember Joshua? When Joshua was first going to conquer the land, he's out there by himself looking. I said, there's some guy standing over there leaning against the wall. And Joshua was 525. And he's leaning on the wall. The Bible said he's leaning on the sword. And Joshua walks up to him and says, who are you for? He said, no, no, no. It's captain of the Lord's army. Take off your shoe and bow down. Lord of hosts, standing there. An epiphany of Jesus. But as we see this, this is God telling us. Jesus is tying us back. He's taking this church back to Isaiah and saying, Look, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer. Who redeems us? We know who the Redeemer is. He's the one who purchased us. He bought us with his own blood. He has redeemed us. I am the first. I am the last. Any questions? No. And besides me, there is no God. See what Jesus is trying to point? He, he takes these phrases and tooks them back. And we're going to see keys of David. We're going to see all these phrases going back to the Old Testament. Because Revelation is the Old Testament. It is just so full of it. But so now Jesus tells these people, I'm God. I am God. And I was dead. You know, Jesus died for us. You know, Jesus actually, we kind of forget that sometimes. That he died. And he was buried. And he rose again but see we see that he's the eternal god he's a resurrected lord take a look at john 11 let's go over there and take a little peeky in john 11 we're going to see where jesus makes a statement 11 25 and this is if you remember the story lazarus died and jesus is just sitting around for a few days just hanging around and then when he get word to him, he said, okay, let's go. And he says, lather sleeping. And says, well, Lord, it's good if he sleeps. But see, what about Mary and Martha? Their brother died. And they're sitting there one day, two days, three days, four days. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And Jesus doesn't come. And then when he does come, he finally he makes that statement about, Lord, you can't open him not by now he stinketh. Because we know after three days, by the fourth day, the body's corruption, corrupted. But let's pick it up in, in Luke 11, verse 25, or verse 24. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Because Jesus just was telling her, if you believe, he'll raise. And Jesus said unto her, verse 25, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Another one of the I am names. And the life. What does he give us after he resurrects us? He gives us eternal life. He that believeth in me. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Well, that's true enough. Look at verse 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you? Do you believe this? Do you believe that when you die, the Lord's going to resurrect your body? You know, Job did. 
Oldest book in the Bible. Job said, I know that in the latter days I shall stand. I shall stand and see him in my flesh. Job knew he was going to be resurrected. All the Old Testament saints know we're going to be resurrected. Later on in Revelation, we'll see that. But see, Jesus is the resurrection. Turn over to 14, John 14. And Jesus, again, is telling us that he's going to be gone. Let's pick it up to 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Yet a little while, the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself unto him. See, Jesus is showing himself to this church. He's going to show them that he's the life. He's the resurrection. He's their hope. He's everything. And so as he does that, when we see that, we're going to find out later on. Now we go down to verse 2. Now he tells us all these things. Verse 2, verse 9. He says, I know thy works. I know thy works. Does God know what you're doing? You ever stop and think about that? Yeah, it's one slide off. Resurrection. That's our resurrected Lord. Does he really know? He says he knows our works. Revelation, all these churches, he keeps saying that. In Revelation 2, 9, 13, 9. I know thy works. I know, I know. You know what I get out of that? Not that God's watching us. Mm, did you clean you? Oh, oh, excuse me, did you read? Oh, you didn't pray today. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, he could. Sometimes whom the Lord loves, he rebukes. But he knows. He cares. See, this, these are eyes that love us. Because he knows thy works. And the work is just that. It literally means working. What are you doing for the Lord? What are we doing for the Lord? And look at verse 9. He knows their works. Knows the tribulation. Boy, there's a good one for you. Been having trials lately. You know, tribulation. This is basically when the word's meaning is trouble from the outside. It's stuff that's going on coming at you. Not the internal tribulation of, you know, your sin and you're struggling with your flesh. This is things coming at you. You're being attacked from all sides. Whether it's at work, at home. Remember, Jesus said, a prophet is without honor his own country. Remember, they came, Jesus' own family came for him because they thought he was out of his mind. They thought he was nuts, and they came to get him and grab him. But see, Jesus says, I know your tribulation. Turn to Matthew 5. We, we all know the Beatitudes. If you haven't been there for a while. But Jesus makes statements to us. Because it's kind of how, how to live the Christian life, in a sense. In Matthew, as soon as I get there. In Matthew chapter 5. Verse 10, we'll pick up on some of the Beatitudes. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Verse 10, Matthew 5. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. See, this is, you can get persecuted for righteousness. What, what's righteousness? Righteousness, just doing right. 
See, that's what righteousness really is. It's doing right. Now it's imputed to us, and we have all these things about right, but I just take the silver. Just do right. I don't know what to do. Okay, we'll start with the two things you know. This is the will of God, and everything give thanks. Are you thankful? You thankful for the people nagging you? Thankful for that neighbor that drives you nuts? Thankful for the person at work you can't stand, and they can't stand you? But see, blessed, that's a blessing. It's a blessing when these kind of things come down upon. It sure doesn't feel like it at the moment. I'm here to tell you, I've been at work. I've had, you know, you know pretty much put in my 30 years. And in that time, and thousands of people, there's some people hating my guts. But just some for no reason whatsoever, just because I was he. Just because I was alive. They hated me. Oh, they, people were just, ah. Uh, there was times coming to work, you just didn't want to. There was neighbors you just didn't want to deal with. There are things in life, people that just bug you to no end. They try you. They try your patience <clears throat> like mosquitoes. You know, they try you. But back in Matthew, blessed, verse 10, are the blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Verse 11, blessed are ye when men shall revile you. That means they just don't like you. Straight up, they don't like you at all. They just don't like you. And then they persecute you. They persecute you. They tell lies. They call the cops. They try to get you fired. I've actually had that happen. I, I got brought up on charges. You know, just because, and, and they were implied because I hated homosexuals. So I brought up on charges for that. I was like, really? But nevertheless, why? Because I was being persecuted. And it'll happen to you too. And she'll say all manner of evil against you falsely. How's your life going? Does everybody like you? Does every person ever meets you like you? You must not be telling them about Jesus. Because look what he says, for my sake. But verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. That's what he's telling this church of Smyrna. He's telling this church of Smyrna, I know what's going on. I know you guys are suffering. And we're going to see some more suffering. But verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Wow. You know something? Every one of these churches have a promise of reward. You know what this church is? Their promise is? As we get down there. He that overcometh shall not be hurt at a second death. Not much of a promise compared to some of the other ones. Some of the other churches get some good things. They get hidden manna, trees of life, all these other promises open. But he just says, death isn't going to hurt you. You know, I'm here to tell you. I know some of you, I don't know what stories in your lives, but if you ever stood at death's threshold and you thought, Lily, in about two more seconds, I'm going to be dead. And I thought I was leaving this earth. I mean, I, legit, I thought I was dead. Just a couple times. But you know what? There was no fear there. I'm just trying to tell you. I don't know if it works for you, but there was no fear. I don't know if God gives you that peace at the time, like he says, that take no thought that he'll, the Spirit will give you the words to speak. Well, I think he also gives you the temperament to face this. You know, because we think about this. Remember the old saying, I ain't scared of dying. It's how I die that scares me. You know, run over a bus or something slow and gruesome and agony in four days of time. <laughs> you know, I don't find it. You know, but I know God will give me grace if that's the case. And so Jesus here is telling this church. We see that. He's telling them. He knows their works. He knows their tribulation. You know, Timothy tells us, remember Timothy tells us, all that live godly suffer persecution. Now I'm here to ask you, are you being persecuted? <laughs> if you're not, how come? What are you doing wrong? 
Well, I'm living it on. No, you must not be telling people about Jesus because somehow the devil ain't bugging you. Know what? He goes on. He, remember, this is what Jesus knows. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. This poverty is just downright broke. I mean, you are broke. It's not about so much money. I mean, you are destitute. You don't even have clothes. I mean, you are talking poor. Food stamp level. Poor. Poor. You know what? Some of the best Christians you ever meet are the poor ones. Those are the ones that love the Lord. Those are the ones you generally see the work. You see the third world nations with these people just going out and, and they are dying for the Lord. But here in America, <laughs> you know, it's hard enough to get up on Sunday morning. But see, we see that he knows. He knows what we're going through. He sees the works, the tribulation, and poverty. How do you like a life like that? You know what the Bible said about Jesus? What he said? Son of man doesn't even know where to lay his head. You know, Jesus didn't even have a house. Didn't even have a house. Had nowhere to live. Had nowhere to go. Nowhere to stay. Every night, Jesus was somewhere else. He couldn't say, I'm going home. He didn't have nothing. Look when he died. What did he have? He didn't even have pockets. He didn't even have nothing in his pockets. He just had what he was wearing on his back. And that's all Jesus had. And he was God. How are we supposed to live? I mean, we, I, I have far more than I ever need. I mean, I've been blessed with far more, far more than I ever needed. And I am so grateful. I, I'm not knowing the tribulation and the poverty like we're reading here, but I have. I know the blasphemy. Boy, there's one for you. Huh? You know, in blasphemy, blasphemy, we think of blasphemy is cursing God, but blasphemy just means calling somebody names. We're just, Whatever name, I blasphemy calling you ugly, you know, sticks and stones. That, that's blasphemy. But see, blasphemy hurts. Blasphemy, sometimes the words that speak, speak. Remember the Bible says the words of a talebearer. The words of a talebearer. There are wounds. They go deep in our heart. Words actually do hurt. Words hurt. But now we see the blasphemy. Turn to First Peter. Let's go take a look at that one. And we're going to see part of the Christian lives is there's just so much suffering and so much pain, so much sorrow, so much joy, so much happiness. First Peter 2. So much. Am I First Peter? 2.19. For this is thankworthy. Wow. When was the last time you were thankful for this? That a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering, because you did good. Oh, no. That's the NIV. My Bible says suffering wrongfully. You didn't do nothing wrong, but people still don't like you. They talk about you. They slant. Oh, the stuff I've heard said about me, it just... But Solomon tells us, don't hear every word you hear. You hear people cursing you. You hear stuff, because the Bible says, you know, you know you've done it too. You talk about people behind your back. But see, Peter's telling us, for this is thankworthy. This is something you rejoice in. This poverty, this tribulation. That you're suffering wrongfully. Verse 20, for what glory is it if you be buffeted for your own faults? You know what? You know what God's saying? If you're so stupid, I ain't going to honor you just because you're stupid. I mean, you make mistakes, you idiot, you, you shoot off your mouth, people don't like you. Well, of course. But if you're just doing patiently, you're doing your job, you're doing your work. 
You're doing what is required of you. For what glory is if when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently. But if when ye do well, when ye do well, and suffer for it. Well, that's one thing taking the suffering, but he goes on. And take it patiently. You shut up, knuckle down, and take the grind. Take the insult and just keep doing right. When they do wrong to you, you do right. When they speak evil of you, you do right. You just keep doing right. Because Paul says when we do this, we put coal with a fire on their head. And I'm here to tell you, I've done this. I've done this many times. It's hard to do because you just, <clears throat> I'm going to slash your tires and burn the house down. I mean, I'm thinking all this evil I can do for them. Oh, I'd love to. But then the Spirit tells me, do something good for them. I buy them lunch. I do something for them. That's the last thing I personally want to do. But God said, I put cold to fire on their head. And I do good. And, and trust me, it works. It doesn't feel like it. Because I just know this word is true. And when I take these verses, and it says, take it patiently. It is acceptable for God. For verse 29, for here under you we recall, because Christ awful suffered for us. Leaving an example. Leaving an example. Anybody had to die today? Anybody put a crown of thorns in you? Anybody got nails shoved in your hand? Anybody got spit on? Anybody got hit by a hundred soldiers? No. Didn't happen to mine today. But see, Jesus said, He knows. He knows their trouble is. He knows the blasphemy. Who claims they're Jews and not? Romans 8 tells us, Romans 2, chapter 8, or 28, tells us that they're not Jews that are outwardly. Right? It's a Jew inwardly. See, People try to judge their Christianity. They try to say they're Christians because X, Y, and Z. My mom was born. I was born a Catholic. I, whatever reason. But they've never come to Christ. So they claim the name. See, he says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews. They say they're Christians. They say they're somebody, but they are not. They are not. Look at First Peter. Since we're over there, turn, flip over a page to uh, chapter 5. Maybe two pages. If you got a Thompson chain, it's twelve ninety-two, I believe. Where Peter is telling us about this working with Satan, how not to um uh, five eight eleven. Let's pick it up at verse seven. Peter first Peter five, verse seven. Casting all your care upon him, for he cared for you. Doesn't he say that that when Jesus keeps telling us, I know, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Every one of these churches, he says, I know, I know, I know your works. I know your travel. I know your travel. But he knows, he knows also that they were Jews who would say they're not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. First time Satan popped up in the church. We're going to see him a couple more times, but we're going to see Satan's fingerprints start working through the churches. But the Bible tells us in verse 8, 1 Peter 5, be sober. I don't mean lack of being drunk. I mean be awake. Be at attention. Same with be vigilant. Be vigilant. Stay there. Remember Jesus said when they came, couldn't you guys just stay awake for an hour? Be vigilant. Stay awake. Because this is why your adversary, he's not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not your pal. He's your adversary, the devil. As a roaring lion. Always trying to look like Jesus, ain't he? Walketh about, seeking whom he endowed. That fool got nothing better to do than try to ruin your life. But not with Jesus, because the Bible says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you. 
Nothing. And that's what Jesus says, I know. He says, I know my poverty. I know your tribulation. I know the blasphemy, which say the Jews but are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. You know, Satan does have his own church, and we're going to see that next in the next church where Satan really, Satan, ha, Satan has a rule on his kingdom. We're going to dabble a little in and see how he operates because he is alive and well on this planet. But see, as we see that, we know he's a, a roaring lion. We see they had to endure this blasphemy. But what does Jesus want? What's he commands us? Look at verse 10. Fear none of these things. Oh, that's easier said than done, huh? Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Wow. What happened to the joyous life? Huh? What happened to, we, we come by, we sing praises. Oh, fellowship is sweet. You know, nobody wants to talk about suffering. But suffering comes in a lot of different forms. You know, sometimes you suffer just by being alone. Man, it's tough being alone. It's tough because, man, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good. Sometimes, sometimes we suffer from our own stupidity. Maybe we do some bad things and it comes back later in years in life. I know my body's taking a toll from some of the things I did when I was younger. It hurts. But hey, sometimes we suffer because of what we don't do. We don't read the Word of God. And so why? What happens when doubts come? We don't have that scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance whatsoever thing I say unto you so that you can cast it down the fiery darts. You can throw the thing. When Satan attacks you in your head, you've got verses to quote back. But no, sometimes we have to fear. We have to fear what's going to come upon us. But he tells us not to fear. How many times do we see God coming up and touching people and saying, fear not? Fear not. Over in Revelation, John, I fell down on the dead man. Fear not. Fear not. You know, the Bible also says that perfect love cast out fear. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. There's times I start thinking about tomorrow, like, you know, do I got enough money to last? And I try, the Bible says, casting those thoughts aside. We cast them aside. Just put them aside. Go back to your Bible. Lord, you told me not to fear. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Do you quote those verses? See, Jesus says, I just love that. Jesus said, fear none of those things. Modern vernacular? Don't worry about it. Don't you worry about it. Here's another word. And just to make sure you know that this is going to be something, behold. Remember we saw that verse, I mean, somewhere back in time, behold is a loud, it's like a herald cry. Behold. I mean, it's something you raise your voice to get more attention to when you use that word. That word is a powerful word. It literally means stop, look, and listen. Behold. Oh, there he is again. <laughs> he's back. The devil. Boy, the devil. Remember, we just saw he's our adversary, warring lions, singing he mid devour. Don't let him bite you. But you know what? The devil's shell. You know, the devil is real. And he's got one purpose to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's it. That's his job. And anything he says is a lie. Even when he's telling the truth. Because you know why? And I can prove it to you. But when the devil tells the truth, but he has an ulterior motive behind that truth because he's going to deceive you. So he'll, even though the scripture is true, when he said he'll give his angels charge over thee. Yeah, because we want to give, get Jesus to bow down and worship him. So even when he quotes scripture at you, it's a lie because he deceives you. But the devil shall, 
This is going to happen. It's not, it's like putting one of the promises of God. You know, we all know the promises of God. We all love those, but here's the promise. <laughs> this shell, some, but you know what? Some of you, not all of us, not everyone's called to suffer like this. See, remember as Paul said, don't worry about him. You worry about him. He's going to follow me. You follow me. He might call you to suffer in pain. And he might call you to just a life of ease and ease. I don't know. But I know when I read this verse, when he says it in the church, and this is applying to us. These are members. This isn't the church. This is individual people in the church. The devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried. Maybe tried. Well, who was it? Uh, when I am brought forth, Pastor, when I am brought forth, I will be tried. Um, I'm not sure that was Job was saying that. But see, trials go back all the way to the Old Testament. Abraham was tried. Abraham, Abraham was told, go conquer the land. Abraham went to Egypt. He wasn't supposed to go to Egypt. He was supposed to be in Bethel. Took a shortcut, went around, paid the price for that because we have the Ishmaelites to this very day because of Abraham's sin. All right? So we'll be tried, but he's going to cast some of you, cast some of you in prison. Prison, mind you. You ever go to jail for Jesus? See, that really doesn't happen so much in the United States. Now, I've almost been arrested. I remember many moons ago, I was down Monterey, I was preaching, and cops come up there and tell me I can't do this. You get it. Yes, I can. I mean, they, they were in my face like this. Oh, you cannot speak. I said, well, yes, I can, because according to the Constitution, I have a right to be here, and according to the local ordinance law, I'm not passing, and I'm not jotting enough decibels. Well, they didn't want to hear that. But they were, they were all set to take me to jail. They just wanted a reason to. But the law didn't allow it. But see, I never got cast into prison for Jesus. Never, 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 never. There you go. See? You, you went to jail, we take your Bible with you? He's going to cast some of you in prison. But you know why? God has a reason. God has his reason. That ye may be tried. Wow. Why does God want to do that? That doesn't sound right. Because the Bible says we, we suffer. If we reign with him, we'll also suffer with him. But you shall have tribulation ten days. Well, you know what? God puts a timeline. God knows. See, God knows how long it's going to be. Ten days, ten weeks, ten years, ten months, ten minutes. I don't know. Because he says, I am the first, I am the last. God knows. Can you trust the Lord? Can you trust God when these tribulations are coming, when these trials are coming, when people hate your guts, when nobody likes you, people are just, because you're doing good, people are persecuting you. Can you still know? Can you still stand? Can you be thou faithful unto death? You know, that's what God's calling us. God's calling every single one of us to die because there's only one way to overcome. And we read this about overcoming and overcoming and overcoming and overcoming. There's one reason, one reason only, because we need to follow Christ. If we had a reign, we're going to suffer. See, but we're going to have to die. There's no shortcut. And every one of these verses we see over one, be thou faithful on to death. Because what happens? Remember the Bible, Hebrews tells us about running the race? The only people that get the crown are the ones that finish. Mm -hmm. Now there's many a Christian that come and saying, Oh Lord, Lord, did I not in thy name? 
Did we preach in thy name? Lord, I preached in your name. Lord, did we prophesy? Lord, did we do many marvelous works? Jesus, every one of these churches, Jesus said, I know thy works. But these people are saying, we did the work. Self, platinum, self. Here, God knows our works. When you got to claim your own work to God, hey, God, look what I did. But see, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, did we not? And Jesus will answer them, I never knew you. I never knew you. But what does he say here? I know thy works. Fear not, least. I know the blood. See, God in his infinite love for us is telling us how much he loves us, how much he cares, even in the pain, even when you're broke, even when you're hurting, even when your body's just racked up and you're facing death and you're about to die. God is right there. And I'm here to tell you because, I, I mean, there was a time I literally was there. I was I thought I was going to be dead, man. I, they told me I only had a month to live. And I'm two weeks into it, and I'm in bad shape. I got hit with all kinds of stuff. I mean, I was in bad shape. But you know what? I still remember the night when we were there. This peace came upon me. Just, I couldn't explain it. But I remember telling my wife, I go, somebody's praying for me. I felt it right there, and right then and there on that very spot, I knew I wasn't going to die. I knew it. They, I still wasn't cured. It wasn't until a few weeks later he told me that, you know, I had the inversion 16. But at that point, I'm, my mindset, I'm going to die. I'm just loving every moment with my wife. I mean, that's all I was doing. I'm going to die. That was what I was told. And I got peace. I don't know what that will happen to you. I just, the moment that happened in my life. And he told me he'd be under death. He says, be faithful unto death. Let's turn to Hebrews. You should be, if you're at Peter, it should be close by. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, pick it up at 32, 31. This is the hall of faith. If you remember about that, if you haven't read Hebrews in a while, Stuck it up at verse 25, Hebrews 11, verse 25, and I'll jump back down. But choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But as we pick it up on our story, look at verse 32. He finished the story talking about Rahab and Gideon and Jericho fell. But verse 32, what shall I more say? I can keep going on, Paul's telling us. For the time will fail to tell me of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jetna, David, Samuel. Verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Sound like the Christian life, huh? Mm -hmm. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight armies. Women received their dead raised again. We just saw that with Martha. And others were tortured. Tortured. You know, that's where they actually tortured you. And not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And Jesus tells us, be thou faithful unto death. Look at these, look at these witnesses. Look how they died. Man, they say Isaiah. He saw it in half. How many people? Just some of these stories of how they died. Look at Samson. Eyes poked out. Ouch. But Samson was suicide. Let me take him with me. But see, verse 36, others had a trial, a cruel mocking, scourging, moreover bonds, imprisonment. 
Wow, what a Christian life. This is our promise. There's stones. Remember Paul said, everywhere I go, the Spirit tells me there's bonds and afflictions awaiting me. But nevertheless, I don't count these things dear. And Paul just kept on going. Verse 37, they were stoned. So was Paul. And sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute. Oh, they were poor, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Wow. Wow. Look at Hebrews 12. Pick it up in verse 1. Wherefore, after all this story, after all this, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easy. Oh, I, I got a headache. I can't come to church. <laughs> what am I going to do? Huh? Is that your excuse? Huh? These people were stoned, sawed, slandered, wandered. I mean, put in a pit. Your own brother sold you. And Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death. Be thou faithful. Huh? What do we do? The weight, the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Remember, we got to finish. It's not how you start sometimes, it's how you finish. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, God, blah, 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 blah. right hand of the throne of God. And we back on Revelation, we see Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death, I will give thee a crown of life. I will give thee. God's going to give us a crown. See that other crown there? Huh? We got to wear that one first. Sometimes we got to suffer. The Bible tells us that through much pain and affliction. Now, again, this Western world, we don't have that kind of pain that we're getting in, in some of the foreign countries of persecution where they literally, like in Africa, they're wiping out whole villages. Nigeria. Yeah. Nigeria is dangerous to be a Christian. You will give your life. And we, I know that it hadn't changed. It was a long time ago. We had a good friend from came from uh, Nigeria. David LeBourne, many moons ago. But he's from Nigeria, and he came here trying to raise funds, and he became my best friend. He, I mean, me and David, we just, we did a lot of things together. We witnessed, there's a lot of stories with him. But he told me the stories of what the Muslims were doing back then, and this is in the 80s. Now they're wiping whole villages. You read the stories where they're coming, kidnap three, four, five hundred girls. Yep. Well, where do you think they're getting them from? The Christian churches, the Christians, and they're kidnapping. I mean, they're paying a price for their faith. We can't even get up and come to church. These people are dying. This is where we end. See, we're going to get a crown of life. Look at James. Turn to James chapter 1. We'll, we'll close with this one to know. Because we have a hope. See, this church is, the reason he's telling us all this stuff is so that we will persecute, that we will, that we do know that there's a hope. Soon I get past my pages. And I'll get there eventually. James chapter 1. If you get there before me, you're going to have to read it to me. <laughs> I go, James chapter 1. 
And we'll close with this one. Verse 12. Blessed is the man. Didn't we just see that in the Beatitudes? Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, see, endure. Endure doesn't mean enjoy. Endure means endure. You don't like it. Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, he might possibly could be, if he's good enough, get a crown of life. I'm getting wrong Bible. If you think, no, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised. The Lord promised. Isn't he saying it right here? I will give the crown of life. But as always, this verse ends, and it's up to you to hear. It's up to you, each one of us. He that have an ear, what are you listening to? Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto you. Oh, the church, same thing. Yeah. He that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. See, remember Jesus said, fear not them that destroy your body now. Pain, sorrow, hunger. But boy, that second death, that's forever. That is pain, gnaw, and that. But when I get on Mark by the gnawing of their tongue, I'm biting your tongue for all eternity? Ouch. I mean, I can't even comprehend the pain and the loneliness and the sorrow and the emptiness of hell. And just pain and black and black and pain and dark. Meanwhile, I'm in heaven rejoicing with the light and the glory because there ain't no more sun. How are you living today? Trials, tribulations, getting you down? Look to Jesus. Remember the author and finisher of our faith? Look up, not down. Look out, not in. Because inward, all these see out of the heart proceed murders, ending, blasting, fornication, lust. You look into yourself, you know, trust your heart. No! The heart's a seed, living above else. Who can know it? Trust God. Trust God. Trust His Word, and I hope you'll read it some more. Okay, and with that, we'll close. Give God the glory. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you and praise you for giving us this day. Lord, we thank you for the words to your church, Lord. We thank you for your promises to us. And Father, we just hope that you'd give us the ear to hear and that we could trust you and seek you all the more, that we'd praise you even more so. Father, even now, to you we give glory. In Jesus' name, amen.